0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes, I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Benham Youssefi Shamali, Henrik Helm, Anna Kuznetsova and Chris Christiansen to discuss how important is culture in a company. Before we get into the topic in a bit more detail, let's work our way around to the room with some introductions. So Benham, would you like to kick us off?
1: Yes, my name is Benham, as you know. Uh, I, I'm a software developer since about 2000 and something, 2001 or two. Doing software development, I've been in different roles, developer, senior developer, tech lead, CTO, and so on. Four years ago, I came here in Sweden as a senior developer, and I'm doing my job in a bank named SEB as a senior developer and tech lead. And out of the work, I like reading, doing some sports, singing, that kind of stuff, and enjoying having time with my family.
0: Lovely, brilliant, thank you. Henrik, we'll come on to you next. Thank you.
2: So uh, my name is Hendrik Jelm, I'm the director of engineering here at Nexus, uh, meaning that I'm responsible for our full uh, development departments in all of the locations that we have. Uh, I have a history within IT working both with uh, development as a, a CTO. I've worked a lot with operations as well, running SaaS services and, and things like that. Uh, before I started to do that, I had my own company uh doing IT consultancy and uh, a period of time i was also a uh, professional military for a few years in my spare time i enjoy being out in the forest and, and camping spending time with my family and also tinkering and driving with uh, preferably really
0: fast cars. brilliant lovely thank you and Anna you next hi
3: my name is Anna and uh, i'm working as a test lead at Fetchark. Uh it's a game development company placed in Stockholm. Uh, I started my career in game development in 2014. (laughs) It's been a while and well originally I started when I'm from Russia so I started my career in Russia and then I moved to Canada and then I moved to Sweden. Uh, So that's pretty much about my career. (laughs) Outside work I really like a Thai box. I like my two cats and uh, spending time with my husband and yeah. And singing, actually, too.
0: <laughs> Lovely. We have to create a band after the podcast. <laughs> and last but not least, go on, Chris, a little bit about you. Yeah, Hi, I'm Chris. Um,
4: I work as the um, head of Cloud Center of Excellence in Atea, Norway. Uh, that's a team that is working with uh, transformation uh, of a company into to the cloud and also helping our customer with transformation. I have been working in here for five years. Um, before that, I've been working different companies as, uh, as sales managers. At uh, my spare time, I have a, a wife, uh, four children, and I love to uh, both play and watch football. That's a bit stupid. too much, actually. <laughs> Can it ever be too much? No, it cannot be too much. Well, there
0: you go then. <laughs> Nice. So now that we've established a context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you all have a question about how important is culture in a company? And as usual, we'll work our way around the room where you can ask each of your questions and give your thoughts about the others as well. So the first question uh, is from Benham. So you asked when we try to establish a culture in a team, there are always some individuals who don't fit what should we do about those individuals? So give us some context as to why you've asked this question and your thoughts and opinions, and then we'll work our way around the group.
1: Yes, uh, first time I faced this question about six months ago, someone asked me uh, from the company, and the problem was uh, they had some individuals that were really uh, valuable for the company. So because they had really deep knowledge about the products and services, and but the problem was uh, they couldn't uh, be a good team player, didn't want, didn't wasn't willing to really uh, participate in uh, in the uh, meetings and it, really difficult to approach, really difficult to do any kind of like pair programming, that kind of stuff. And did, they did really didn't know what to do with the, those kind of persons. And uh, also, they really wanted to have a good and uh, unique culture. I'm not unique a good culture in the company, uh, so it can result in delivering results, and that kind of stuff. But those individuals were big blockers for that kind of culture. Let's assume that we hire some uh, new and uh, junior people in the team, and when they look at uh, look at wrong, they can find some people that are, are not really willing to uh, uh, participate in having that kind of culture. And it was a big problem. Uh, honestly, I, I give them some suggestion, but right, uh, some really naive and uh, initial thoughts. I'm really uh, interested to know how do we think about that kind of
3: problems. Well, I guess I can start because I have some thoughts about it because we had some people uh, like not long time ago in the company who joined us and they were very nice and everything, but like you, you could feel that the company they, and them, they did not meant to be together. <laughs> like, you know, the way of like in, uh, interaction with other people or something. And in our case, we actually didn't do anything because like, I feel that people also can feel it that they don't fit and the people just like leave naturally, you know? It's like, you don't want to stay somewhere when you're f- feeling like not right to be. So that's pretty much it <laughs> I wanted to say about it. But
2: so, so were those people, Anna, that you were describing, these were people that were brought in and didn't fit? And I think Benam, you're describing people that are already there that doesn't fit in a transformation journey or something like that, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. It is a bit it it's it's a tricky one. I mean, i I've also encountered some of these instances where you have people that are if I may use the word sort of early adopters into to these like changes that you want to take, they're always easy. You know, you can tell them to, to jump, and they just ask how high, and they will jump. Then you have these slightly more tricky individuals, maybe. But the the question is, in in many cases, do do they not want to do it just because they're stubborn, or do they not know how to do it? I mean, if more programming, for example, if you're so if you're new into that, it might feel really really strange once you've tried it. Might actually feel pretty good and pretty cool, and you can feel the the, the sense of accomplishment of having done something together with someone else. So, so, I think for me it would be understanding that and trying to educate, probably. And also, I think it, it's you know everybody doesn't have to fit in a hundred percent with the ways of working that you do. There's always a leeway of finding a good balance of, of doing it in a okay way for for the if I may call them stubborn people, but you know, that's how I think.
4: Yeah, um because we want diversity. Diversity creates creates new stuff, new way of thinking. It's 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 provoke us to think differently. Uh, so we, we need and we have to have diversity. But at the same time we need also to have some sets of culture that's that we need to to kind of um, kind of trust each other and work together. So so. I mean I mean you you need attention you need the span that the diversity gives you, but also you need to put down the boundary for how how far you can stretch it, because you, you can you can get a toxic team. Then you have to do something. So this is for me. Is is also I love this question. Really love this question. This is for me also a a, a manager manager case. This is where you prove how good manager you are because you need to balance uh, balance uh, the 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 team and balance
3: each individual. Yeah, I think it's also the way to improve the culture in in some way because like you know if some people like don't feel eventually that they don't feel the culture and the company, and that's kind of also strange. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, of course. If, if, if it doesn't fit at all, it doesn't fit. It uh, If you have a smelly fish uh, home, you have to throw it out <laughs> in the end.
1: <laughs> so but I, may say, may it, I ask,
2: Ben, like these yes. these um, uh, dudes or, or dudettes that are the, like, tricky, tricky people, do you consider them, like, to be unchangeable?
1: Uh, in the, if I want to specify a very specific case, yes, uh, I, I meant about unchangeable people because, you know, when it comes to di- diversity and creating culture, you know, there are a lot of ways, you know, having uh, uh, events together, doing pair programmings, having knowledge sharing sessions, that kind of stuff. You Little by little you can inject the culture that you want or it's, uh, the culture that is a uh, good fit for the company little by little to the individuals in the team. But some people really uh, resist, really resist and you know, at the end you don't know what to do. Because if you, for example, if you fire them up, uh, you, know, you lose a lot. Because they have deep knowledge, they have, uh, you know, uh, if, if you, for example, if we talk about legacy applications, for example, not new one because on the new applications uh, like you have, microservices, you have source controls, you have everything, you can easily onboard people, not easily, but sometimes it can be quicker than the old people. But when it comes to old legacy applications, sometimes if you miss someone in the team, you might it might result in a lot of cost about uh, supporting the application, um, fixing the bugs and so on. For, uh, if I want to give you an example, let's say a normal bug can be fixed with that guy in half a half an hour, and with the, the new onboarded developer, might take weeks to be solved. The, this is a very challenging situation for us. And uh, yeah, I, I I hear you. Uh, there are some good uh, suggestions, but uh, even with that suggestions, it is it will be very difficult with unchangeable people, as you said.
3: Mm. Well, I, I still feel that there is no unchangeable people. And even like if with the one person it can take like longer than, than with another person, still we can change the people. And like, you know, it's like I feel that carrying the unchangeable person in the company is cost more for the like managers and everything. Not even just if we talk about money, because it's also like a, a human Let's uh, see, uh, human resources, <laughs> that emotions it's and everything. It's like carrying a dead horse, you know. It's yeah. Maybe one of the, suge- one of the suggestions
1: that, that I uh, gave that uh, company at the time was to—I uh, I know that it's not a very good uh, solution, for it, But my suggestion was to isolate that guy. Let him do his job, and either the team—not either—I mean, uh, let let the team feel that okay, he is not a part of that team. Then okay, he can do whatever they want. He wants. Uh, we can follow our culture. Uh, in this way, we can avoid you know, extra cost of you know losing that guy. And, you know, at the end, he might be willing to you know get into the team and participate more. But yeah, it just was a very immediate answer, and I didn't think, think that much about the answer at the time
3: yeah but i think it <clears throat> depends on the team because i guess in your situation it's uh, it's fine that one person is working isolated but there are a lot of teams which which cannot allow to do this because a lot of like a teamwork depends on like everyone communicating nicely with each other but yeah i think isolation it's was one of the solutions as well because like that's easier and you don't lose a person do you have a go, you have a job done and other part of the team doesn't suffer kind of but I guess it just doesn't work in the whole situation, like in the whole cases.
4: No, no at, at the same time, so uh, changing people or changing things takes time, lots of time. You need to be very, very patient. Uh, so um, as a manager, uh, during the pandemic, I kind um, of, we can use the word luck, <laughs> but the, the uh, if you're lucky that you, you you really need, as a manager, to really, really work with yourself and work with a team. You, I had the opportunity to really dig down in each individual in the team. We had a, a, a weekly meeting, uh, uh, walking and talking, uh, and, and really get in inside and deep inside the people and really kind of get to know those people. Then, 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 then uh, you tend to to open and you start to understand each other. You start uh, start to to know what they feel and what they think because sometimes there are there are things they need to they just need to be seen and heard and understand. And if they are seen, heard, uh, and uh, understand, they start start to to listen to others and start to get things, to lean in. So, but, but but of course that is there's something i have experienced but there will also be uh, people that is yeah that is not changeable but again this i mean this is really really issues for the manager and this is where the manager has to prove himself and says what to do and in at at the, the end you need to to do uh to decide for the best for the company and sometimes it hurts Sometimes I have to be quick and uh, as the old saying says that uh, on the graveyard, there are a lot of people that could not be uh, changed. So,
1: as Chris said, uh, yeah, it, it, if you are a good manager, this is th- this kind of challenges you can expect uh, you are supposed to solve. And the problem. Uh, it's re- it really depends on the situation and what what you can find a solution. You no, know, it's it's not the uh, unsolvable things based on the culture, based on the individuals. That that one was really good from Chris. Uh, you you can find a way uh, for each individual if you g- get enough close to that individual, understand him, understand what they like, what they hate, how how we can approach them, how we can make them more sociable. Yeah, I love.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, we work in the IT industry, and sometimes people are very, very close. And even the good manager sometimes cannot really get close to their uh, people.
2: No, but sometimes you you don't, as a manager, always have to do everything yourself. You know, it's it's you can use the team, so you you affect this person by proxy, by the whole team, basically. So, I, I think I agree with this. You have to find something that ticks. This this person gets him or her going, and then, you know, you find a small thread and you start pulling that thread and then something something will unravel sooner or later. As you say, Chris, it, it'll take time. For some people, it can take a year, two years almost. Then it's more of a question, that, do you have time to wait for it or not? How important is he or she? Um, and I mean, if you have these like you described, Ben, um, super high performers that, that can solve something in, in half an hour that takes someone else. Uh, you know, several weeks to solve, then you wait, for sure.
4: Great. Good one. This was a good one. I love this one.
0: <laughs> Lovely. We'll leave that question there um, and we'll move on to Henrik's question next. Um, so, Henrik, you asked Does the hierarchy or lack thereof within the organisation affect culture, specifically the approachableness and the openness from all levels of leaders, including senior management? Um, so, tell us a bit more about your question.
2: Uh, yes, I wanted to touch the topic of. of how we see hierarchy, I mean what what good or bad does it bring? Um, does hierarchy have to be in a company? I understand that certain people have to to be there to to take certain decisions at some point in time. um but that, does it have to be you know strictly hierarchical in that sense that you know to be able to go and talk to developer in that team in the other end of the engineering department, you have to go to his or her manager first to be able to get airtime with that developer. Is that sort of the right culture? And, and does that help the hierarchy or or does it destroy the, the, the culture itself? Um, and also having managers both for the teams themselves, but also senior management. It could be all the way up to to CEO level, having them being approachable, having them sort of close to, to the actual business of what's happening um on a tech level as well because i mean we're talking tech here so so not only the the business aspect or the financial aspects of the business but actually the how's it going what are you guys working on what are your pains today um that's at least you know how i think it should be but curious to hear what you guys think
4: i think that this question was also uh, very interesting because is there a Uh, different ways of seeing this cross borders. I think that, um, as a Norwegian, I think that for me it's no problem to walk straight up to the CEO in in, in our company, there are 7,500 people working. I can go straight up and say, hi, you have an issue with something. That's no problem for me, down the hierarchy and And I also know that consultants or uh, other people also take the phone and call the CEO. No problem. Hmm. But I don't think that is possible in other countries because they are more lacked in let uh, them more they follow more the hierarchy than we do maybe. yep,
2: yeah, I agree. and And I've experienced it myself. I mean, we we I try to as as. A uh, member of the, the senior management at Nexus, for example, try to be as approachable as possible. I try to to meet other people and have lunch with them, even if they're not from my department, I try to be interested. Um, but yes, there is, of course, and not only in, in my company, but other companies, cultural differences between how easy you think, as you say, Chris, it's easy to walk up to the CEO and just say, hello, what's up? This is an issue, can I get some help? And in some other countries, you're almost hesitant to go to your manager's manager even if you're five levels down from the ceo so i think that's it's of course tricky but i mean it's it's that's also part of the the culture to, to basically spread the uh the, the the understanding that it is okay to be that open it is okay to approach people and it of course starts with the ceo he or she has to basically say that you know we're here to support you guys that are working in the company Approach us if there's anything. I mean, if they sit there in their own corner office having cigars and whiskey, no one's going to approach them. You know.
4: How else can can they take good choices and decisions if they don't know actually the problem?
2: I agree. It's virtually impossible. Then you base it off something else that that is maybe not the the actual source of the um, the problem or the truth.
4: The problem will be filtered and colored and uh, everything and, uh, until it, it it will hit your uh, your desk if if you are not approachable. I think so.
3: Yeah, I think I, it's important. I think it also depends like on the size of the company and actually like the different way how a company works because you know like for example like in game development we are more free to approach everyone. But obviously we have like another big companies, for example, like Ubisoft, you cannot go to like Eat Gimo and say like, oh, hi, how are you? Like, We have a problem, you know? So- uh,
2: it, it doesn't have to be like all the way up in the hierarchy maybe, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I worked at Paradox before, uh, also a gaming company, it's sister to you almost.
3: I mean, um, they, we are on the same street.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really close. You can throw balls at each other or something. Uh, but I think there, it was the same. Like when when we talk about culture being open and approachable, of course, it's it makes it harder when you're in a, uh, you know, a hundred thousand people organization or something like that to walk up to the CEO and say hello. Um, but I mean, if we take it down one or two notches, then you can go to the country CEO or something like that, and it should be open and easy. But but I think that I the, same. <laughs> the, the day-to-day stuff maybe is more important. Like if you have a a uh, problem with the, the stuff that you're gonna develop and you deliver it and the, the Kubernetes cluster has failed, can you just go directly to the DevOps team and say, hey guys, I need some help. Or do you have to send a ticket to them? Their manager has to like approve it, put it in their their uh uh their backlog for this sprint that they're working on and then they do it? Or can you just you know talk to them and say, I need some help and then you guys collaborate, you find a good way, you share some knowledge maybe. So next time you can you know run some kubectl commands yourself and fix it.
3: Yeah, I think it should be a balance between like both that like you like super approachable is also not the way I think like when you always can go and poke every person, single person on your wake and I have a problem, help me. And you go and poke like 1000 people around because, well, it uh, some people also have their workload and everything and like not everyone is very good in managing their own job. So it's like, it puts a bit of pressure on people as well. And so it's nice sometimes to have like the approaching from management and everything, but adding like 1000 levels of management, uh, me personally, I feel just pressure and lost. Like, who should I go? Which manager should I poke? Is it this one or this one or that one? And yeah, it's a bit of a mess (laughs) sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Even like you kind of supposed to have different way that it's more structures and everything but like you kind of don't want to poke manager <laughs> so no, much no, no, is you, you would know. like to poke just the person you know yeah so and, it's and i think that's where the
2: culture because... come in i mean it's it's yeah. like the 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 good old quote that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast i think it's so true um but of course it it as you say there has to be Common sense in in the how you approach people and what you approach them with and and at what time and and also again common sense to to also understand that someone says yeah sorry I'm busy now but I can help you in two days and then okay that's fine if that's not fine for you then you might have to go to escalation mode or something like that but to, to try and avoid that and and have a lot of ping pong in taking a lot of people's you know really valuable time to deal with stuff that maybe you could just solve with someone else. Um, I think it's it's important to find, and again, good balance, so that's the the key here, I
1: think. Yeah, good balance is uh, important and it's difficult, I can say, at the same time. Uh, in, our, in our company, uh, we are doing great. Uh, we have, As a bank, we have hierarchy, big hierarchy here. But from a certain point, uh, we act like, like a flat division or department, whatever you call it. Uh, but the good part is not just being flat. The good part is we have some kind of culture that gradually we learned when to go some to a specific person directly, when put our question in a team's channel, when we go to our manager. All are approachable, but we decide when to go, where to go, who to go. And uh, I, I don't know how, how much time they have spent on it to build that kind of amazing culture, but I know if I want to create it from scratch, it would be very difficult having yeah. hundreds of developers, big infrastructure, legacy applications uh, bounding together. It, you know, it means that you need to communicate with different teams, different uh, departments on an everyday basis. Uh, but yeah, it, it works great in our company. Yeah.
2: I mean, then you've reached the goal. I mean, autonomous teams. That's basically what you're describing. You can do your own stuff, you know where to get help. It's it's fantastic.
4: So it's so what we say is that it's up how much speed you need or how much you need to anchor it. It it depends. Indeed,
0: does. Lovely we'll leave that question there and we will move on to the next one. Um, so Anna your question was next and you asked what do you think the difference between game development and IT like software banking etc companies culture is and why does it differ? Um, so tell us a bit more about that.
3: Yeah well I have never worked in IT like banking or like finance uh, software etc but uh, so I've been working all my life in <laughs> game development. Well, all my adult life. <laughs> Um And uh, I have an impression that like in game development, the culture are a bit more loose. I would say they we are more free and like, uh, not maybe as structured as IT <laughs> culture because IT culture so it sounds for me more like structured, serious business and, you know, all this kind of stuff. So I would like to know if it's really like this, and if you think there is a difference between game development and, like, software engineering, for example.
2: Interesting. I'll start because I have the pleasure of having seen both ends. Um, being being uh, IT manager at Paradox Interactive for a while, I've, I've seen my fair share of game development. Um, I can agree to a certain point that the culture is different in in Game development companies as compared to to banking or, or finance or cloud or, or um, IT security that I'm in right now, but I would still say that you're you're able to be creative you're able to have fun you're able to do cool stuff, maybe you don't game as much on the on the, the breaks as you do maybe you don't have that many board games that you probably do
3: well, you don't do art okay
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't we. <laughs> don't we? Probably not as many artists as as, uh, game development usually has. Mostly
3: UI, I guess.
2: Indeed, it is. Uh, and, and of course, full user experience uh, journeys together with marketing teams and and all of that. But it's it's of course a big difference of having fifteen or twenty artists sitting there drawing in game, uh, you know, characters or or polygon graphics or something like that, doing animations and stuff that we usually don't do in our field of, of other type of development. But um, I, again, I think if if you have a good culture in that sense, it's about having fun, doing cool stuff. Then I mean having a game developer you probably tailor to a certain specific type of people who maybe have certain specific interests. If you do, uh, if I may call it general development or something else, maybe you cater to another group of people that, that have different interests and you do different things on your breaks and, and the people that you talk to. Um, I think it is mean, quite
4: And, do you mean that the IT people uh, do other things than drink or create draft beer? Hell no. <laughs> and make bread. <laughs> exactly. Play yeah, I mean, board games. Bread,
2: yeah. No, no, no. We don't. It's, it's. Uh, at least from my my personal experience, I think we we had one of the values at at the Paradox when I was there was that we thought nerdy was a good good word in in many other companies. Nerdy can be like, oh, what's that? And and I would say the same here. I mean, at, at Nexus, being nerdy is cool. Being nerdy is like, you know, that's. The Freaking shit! I'm not going to use the bad word. Sorry, Abby.
3: I mean, how you can be nerdy and wear suits. <laughs> Nerds don't wear suits.
2: Don't they? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> no, but I think it's it's important to to, to you know connect to your roots and, and have. But yeah, I, I would say there is a difference, but probably not a huge one, at least from my own perspective.
4: Yeah, but because, uh, because at the end of the day, what you do at the work, when you you get back, you start doing your hobby. You kind of nerdy down to things. So we all we all end back to nerdy down to things. Even if it's a draft bear or it's uh, building something, someone have a suits, someone have a job suits. But at the end, we like to to nerd with things.
2: Yeah. And I mean, if if we if we drill down, I guess you're probably working in sprints, or if you're not doing that, you have some form of Kanban mode. We all probably do the same. You probably somehow have adopted the the Agile manifesto to the way that suits your business the best. We probably all have done the same. So, I mean, where's the real difference? You write code in an ID. We also write code in an ID.
3: We do more hard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there you go. So, that's the key differentiator. (laughs) No, I think, like, uh, in my perspective, I think that, like, Doing video games, it's more of an art itself. I mean, like not just drawing art. I, yeah. I mean, not uh, an artist. And I think the um, making something for um, oh my god, what's this for? <laughs> when people don't uh, uh, don't uh, take it seriously, I would say. You know, when yeah. when it's just like playing games. Who oh, like really is it the real job? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like, my parents, I think, still think that it's not, and Mm. and, uh, it's, I think it gives us a bit of more, like, chaos in the end, because, you know, it's it's an art process. There are so many things which we have to think, and it's not just, we know what we do, kind (laughs) of, because usually when you make, like, a software or something, you kind of know what you want to do at the end but in the what? game development, everything is just like coming and leaving. Someone has a new idea, you know, we are bringing it and then it's just developing and they're like, no, we don't like this idea. We are going to do something else.
4: True.
2: Yeah, but I mean,
4: when, you... when... Yeah, sorry. Chris. Yeah. yeah, but you, you talk about art. Uh, again, I worked with with, uh, with developers who developed uh, one in, in banking, but actually one in, in, in gaming, actually. Um, they were both... Doing art in code, for them, for that, uh, the good code was art for them. And uh, actually, the one I, I get a complaint from the one of them uh, one one time because he was playing game at the at the at the, at the job. Uh, so, so I said, no, no. When he play, he creates because he 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 when he play uh, stupid silly games. He kind of thinking and and solving problems. So when he was done
3: playing, he was sitting down and write the code. Yeah, but uh, we also, like, in the game development, we also have very structured people, for example, like, I don't know, let's say engine programmers. I think they are, yeah, I think they are more, like, serious (laughs) than (laughs) other parts, (laughs) you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, engine programming in in games is probably more close to, to... Programming within i t because it is it is a lot more structured, you build everything based off of the engine itself, and then the slightly maybe more creative people can come in and and do their stuff but but i I would agree with you, Chris I think the creative side i mean being creative doesn't mean that you have to create something that someone can actually visually look at. it could be a cool piece of code i mean i've I've seen developers developing products in in my company where you have built um Process to onboard a user in a really cool and automated way for our customer that has 150 or 200,000 employees, and it's a really cool thing that is created, and and they feel, you know, it's 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 something creative to do that in a good, cool way. Equally as it is to to build a vermatide too, or something like that.
1: Uh, one of the differences between the real variety companies and game companies might be related to the age group of people that work in as a developer. Uh, based on my experience, uh, I have been in a lot of different companies, and uh, for me it's obvious that the age range makes a lot of difference. Uh, a good example is our co-developer's code team in a bank, you know, also really old or you know, different.
2: Was uh, I was going to
1: say. Yeah, it's a completely, deep, completely different culture. And, uh, uh, And uh, whenever it comes to communicating with them, I have to be careful because uh, uh, it's like going to talk with politicians. I'm not saying it's bad, but you have uh, to have a different way of approaching to them. Uh, I have been a game company, a small one in my own country. They were full of young in the range of 20, 25 they were really energetic, yelling at each other, playing together, very noisy in the room. Here in the bank, in my team, I can't, I can't say we are really old, I am, uh, 44 if it, you count it as an old. Uh, but uh, uh, the, uh, anyway, we are a bit calmer than them. We For our breaks, we go to coffee machine, talk about weather and talk about the weekend and that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> one of the differences might be that. I, I guess there are more young people in game development.
4: If, if you if you look at Hollywood movies, all the cool developers work in gaming company, but uh, the nerd one who cracks the codes and uh, <laughs> saved the world works in uh, more serious companies. <laughs>
3: well, tell it to my engine programmers, okay?
2: yeah they're the serious dudes for sure or dudettes
0: nice lovely so we'll move on to our final question Um, and last but not least Chris um, you asked a team or an organization is made up of different individuals all with different backgrounds and preferences You said that you as a manager also have your background and your preferences as well. So who decides whether it is a good or a bad culture? Is it the lead with their preferences? How can we measure culture or should we just rely on intuition? Um, So tell us a bit more about your question.
4: Well, it's more like um, in my company, we are a bit... uh, we work hard with culture. Culture for us is important. We have what we call uh, the place to be culture. For us, it means the place to be for our, uh, for the employee, for the owners, the shareholders, for our partners, or for for our customer. All should place should be the place to be for them. And uh, sometimes I feel that, but who 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 define the, the place to be? I don't I don't when I heard. Here they're talking about the culture. Sometimes I feel, but that's not me. I'm definitely a part of the culture in this company. I do uh, my thing every day, and I lean every day. But sometimes I feel that they talk about talk about culture in, in a sim- similar way. So, so who decides it?
3: I think it's uh, the culture is not something static. You know, it uh, shapes up every time, every day. It's like each person which joins the company, kind of. But I think it just starts from the people who created the company, obviously, I guess, from, like, CEO, STO, SFO, and uh, all other kind of (laughs) chiefs. (laughs) And uh, after, I think, like, in the process of uh, developing the company, like, people are joining, and, like, they bring also, like, some new ideas and, like, some kind of... uh, influence to the culture in the company and it's just shape ups every every day every time every month every year and then it's just the process process so i guess there is no really someone who decide like that's gonna be this of course and like some monumental things they were stated like in the very beginning but like other things can just shape up during future
2: (laughs) yeah i mean i agree i mean. Culture is a tool, in a sense, or something that lives within your company. You were talking about the, the shareholders or the like board of the company. They have their goal. That's, of course, usually, not in all cases, to make money, preferably, quite a lot of it. Uh, and to get there, you have to do a good job. You develop good software. You get a lot of customers for the bank, have good interest rates or build really cool games that you sell, you know, platinum or something like that. But to get there, you need to have the tools to to be able to do it. You have a nice office, maybe you have some cool people that you work with, and if you feel that you belong, that's that's sort of the, the take that you had Chris on, on the, the model of your company that you're there, that's your place to be. When you feel that you belong there, then probably the culture is right for you. If you don't feel that, then you won't perform as good. The games won't be as cool. Uh, the bank logging times will be 10 milliseconds slower. You know, Everything will not work out for you. And, and that's probably what decides if the culture is good or not. If you have happy people, you have good retention, uh, you see people actually interacting, you have these autonomous teams, then that is the culture that works. Then, then whether the board thinks it's the right culture or not, does it really matter? I'm not sure.
3: That's also the difference between game development and, and other companies, that you make companies for money, we make company to have fun <laughs> and make games, OK? If if,
2: if we ask that question to your CEO, do you think he doesn't care about the money?
3: I think they just wanted to do games.
2: True let's pretend that that you go but, public but, but The shareholders <laughs> probably want to have <laughs> some dividend you know
4: but and there the are difference. always
2: exceptions i mean you have nonprofits yeah. as well and 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 i mean i i uh, making money is just a byproduct really in in a yeah. sense i mean you're you're I'm not in this business to make money in that sense. You know, the the people that are working with IT security, they want to do stuff like securing the society or doing really cool things and and providing these services to people and making money as a byproduct of actually accomplishing the goal. I mean, I I can't go to my developers and say, you know, develop this really cool multi-factor authentication software because we're going to make money. That's not the deal. I mean, I I can go there and I say, please develop this really awesome way of authenticating to these services because we want to make our customers' lives easier and we want to make their IT environment safe. That's the goal. Making money is the
3: byproduct. Yeah. And I think it just depends on the company, of course. Like I think maybe bigger company, like when they started, maybe they thought about money and they know where they're going, but you know, like there are so many indie developers, which like kind of gets money only for surviving, but they yeah. just really like what they do, you know. Yeah.
2: yeah, they're ultra passionate, of course, especially if you talk in indie.
3: I doubt you will do security just to survive. <laughs> At least to start well, to do probably, security yeah. just to survive. No, probably
1: not. Uh, that question, uh, Chris, said, it, it is really nice and I, I love that question because it takes me to a lot of different corners of the uh, uh, having good culture in the company. And as Anna says, uh, it is dynamic things. So you can't really go in and shape it with orders, with your willing or with CEO's willing, board willing. It's not that you completely can shape it. But uh, I believe uh, as a leader, as a manager, uh, you might need some characteristics within your culture, some tools that leads to your goals. Either it, that goal might be more money, or more fun, more creativity, whatever. Uh, and in this case, you, you you should direct. I mean, as a leader, you should direct the team to a certain characteristic of that culture. Let's say we have like a bunch of uh, new developers, you are motivated, and you you can't just say to them, okay, you have to sit on your desk, don't talk to talk to each other, because this is our culture, it doesn't work. It simply doesn't work. But it, when it comes to productivity, you can uh, have some certain rules to boost the productivity with different ways. Uh, I can give an example. One of the, the companies that I was working, I uh, onboarded to a team that uh, the, the team had some great developers, nice and uh, really nice persons, nice nice people and nice developers. Uh, but I, I could see that uh, the, the delivery capacity of the team is low because the culture of that team was to working as individuals. Uh, there were a lot of different other characteristics in the team that I didn't care about them, but I knew that this one may help us to achieve to a better delivering of the result. I started to doing something like. I tried to advocate the pair, pair programming, more programming, knowledge sharing sessions, different way of knowledge sharing session. I encouraged them to uh, do the knowledge sharing session, even the individual that was not willing to speak in public. And then after a while, we had the same team with almost the same I mean culture, like as I said, going to coffee machine and talking about weather and that kind of stuff. But the difference was the team were way more productive but by changing one aspect of that team, not the whole culture. And as a leader, I, I, I guess uh, my uh, willing or my prefer, prefer preference, of how to say, how to put that word, my, <laughs> the way that I like to work. It doesn't matter. That that part matter matters is which way uh, is uh, may direct us closer to our goal which as I said, it can be money, uh, art, whatever.
0: Lovely, brilliant. We'll open it up to the floor now. Has anyone got any final thoughts or any other questions they want to ask around culture in a company? Yeah, I, I kind
4: of in that discussion we just had, it is, I think that it is important to also talk about subculture uh, because it can develop uh, you can end up developing a subculture in your team or in your company because you have your thoughts uh, and way of doing things that the rest of the company doesn't have. So then you, you kind of start to build subculture. And that is something that you, you need to, to to actually be... be um, to understand and, and be clear of what, what we do because that, that can actually... Hurt the company more than you think. It could be good,
2: though. It depends yeah. on the subculture. I mean, if you're if you have a subculture that's pointing in the the same direction, at least, then then it could be good because it might fit. Like the COBOL dudes, they have a subculture. It still fits with the with the, the the way of delivering good banking applications for you, Ben. But maybe they do have a slightly different culture there, the the COBOL people. But I mean, yeah, you can get this this subculture that points in the completely different wrong direction than you have a. Uh, an issue to deal with, for sure,
3: yeah, I think like it's uh, it's to deal with the toxic teams that kind of think that it can affect quite a lot.
4: Sure. yeah, because if if you if you if you allow to develop a subculture, like a negative culture or people who is always nagging or 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 always don't I don't believe in what you said and and uh, I don't would, yeah, kind of uh, undermine you. And they, uh, and they have a subculture around the coffee machine, and uh, and yeah, yeah, I hear, understand, but I, I don't care. And yeah, now we go again. You, you need to, to address uh, that culture to, 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 uh, um, to, to move forward.
2: I agree, they will counteract you otherwise, and, and that will be a huge, huge issue. For sure. Uh, And I mean, like we talked before, culture can be one of these things that could create a subculture in itself. I mean, we're talking about geographical culture now, so so having like I do teams in India, for example, I I wouldn't expect 100% the same type of of culture here as I do there, because it is very differently from from, geographical, cultural perspective, uh, but I would at least expect us to aim in the right or the same decision or the same direction, I mean, true.
0: Has anyone got any other final thoughts or any other questions they want to ask? Not from
2: me.
0: Lovely, we'll leave it there then. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Benham, Henrik, Anna and Chris, for providing your thoughts into the topic and thank you all for listening as well if you would thank like you. to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts reach out to me on linkedin or by email at abby.stokes at evolution see you next time